0: Welcome to Midlife Athlete uh, Podcast. Uh, I'm uh, a host, uh, Jason, and I'm with my co-host, Greg. How are you, Greg? Very well. Thank you, Jason. Very well. Good, good. And uh, and we should say this this, right up front because I've been told by our marketing person that we need to get this stuff in right up front. (laughs) That is that we are, um, it would be great if you could subscribe to the podcasts and and, and so on, but we are on Substack, uh, so midlifeathlete.substack. Um, and, uh, Facebook, so you can look for us on Facebook and the good thing about the Facebook, we've got opportunities for all the audience to kind of jump in and get involved in the conversation. So don't be shy, uh, reach out to us on Facebook. It'll be uh, great to hear from you. Um, <clears throat> but I've got, I've, got an, also- I've got an apology. I've got an apology. Oh yes. You've got an apology. I got an apology. So in
1: our, in our podcast with Phil Cavell, uh, about the midlife cyclist, I quoted a Metallica song. I got the, I got the lyrics wrong. Uh, it was. It was my life. I, I said my uh, life cycle dictates my death cycle. It wasn't that at all. It was lifestyle dictates death style. Obviously, apologies to all Metallica fans. <laughs> uh, but uh,
0: anyway, the meaning was there. I think you all got it don't think we've lost any audience members as a result of that <laughs> yet, Greg. so we' probably we're probably just sneaked by um, okay. but it's really great to have um, Joe Eisenman uh, with us Joe great for, for joining. I'll just do a, a little introduction. Um, <clears throat> as I understand it, you're head of sports science at uh, Vault Athletics, but you've got 25 years experience, university professor, researcher, sports scientist, strength and conditioning coach, general sports coach and I think your focus now is on sort of um, youth athletic development is that is that right
2: yeah that's correct actually my entire career has really been devoted to youth athletic development or youth fitness and physical activity but some of us don't grow up so I guess that's why I'm on this podcast right yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: well exactly so we the, the reason that we sort of hooked up and got in touch and, and and you kindly agreed to come on was as was as a result of a a blog that you wrote um, either on or around about your 50th. And uh, when Greg and I read it, there were a few things that jump, jumped out of that blog. So, um, yeah, I think the fact that you were alluding to the fact that, yeah, you like you, you like to do things even though you're 50 was a, was a big, big pull and attraction to get you on the podcast.
2: Yeah. Uh, some of that came around a marketing thing that we were doing at Volt as well, hashtag train. Mm. we wanted to know why people trained and you know i was just thinking to myself as my 50th birthday was kind of looming you know why do i train so it prompted me to put a uh, pen to paper
0: yeah well th- i mean that's a great great opening question why don't we start with that what you, you you're 50 um why why do you still why do you still train joe
2: why don't people train when they're 50 might be a better question right yeah I mean we know we know the evidence and again being in this field and being an exercise science professor researcher you know the evidence that shows being physically active um, averts premature mortality and many chronic disease risk factors um, and both physical and psychological health and well-being so like why wouldn't you train And one thing is I love that this podcast is called the midlife athlete because the other thing, and especially with the work I do now in youth athletic development, or what we also call long-term athletic development, is we believe everybody's an athlete. Yeah. Because if you look at the definition, you know, in Merriam-Webster, whatever dictionary you pull up, Google, whatever it is, athlete is anybody who moves with proficiency don't we all want to move with proficiency and then we start looking at fitness traits like strength and power and um aerobic fitness or stamina like don't we all want to be physically fit throughout our lifespan because we know the benefits that it has it doesn't always have to mean that you're competitive and elite Mm. but we all should have athletic bones in our body right
0: I completely agree. I was we, uh, Greg and I met up on on the weekend, and <clears throat> Greg's wife Claire has just run run a half marathon, and I sort of half jokingly said, "You know, we should we should get you on." And she said she said to me, "I'm not I'm not an athlete, but yeah, but she's well, just run a very respectable time for a for a half marathon, well, and, was, and is looking to do more."
1: I mean, it was fantastic. It was her fir- it was a first um, half marathon. She'd never run that distance before. She did it in two hours and forty seven seconds which she was delighted with. Um, but you know, she, out of a field of 13,000, she came the top 4,000. Um, and within her age group, um, she was 52nd. Um, again, I think there may be 53 on the running, but, um, but, but it was, she was, she, she was fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, she did brilliantly well, um, on on her first attempt, but what, what struck me when I was scrolling through the, through the, um, uh, the app they had it was the Oxford Half Marathon, and there was there was one woman, the oldest woman in the race. She was seventy in the seventy five to seventy nine bracket, and I'm not too sure how old she was, but she was around there. She did it in one fifty one. Isn't that brilliant? That is just fantastic.
2: <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, again, just to just to be out there and and doing that distance, yeah. and meeting physical activity guidelines is is applause because there's so many adults who do not meet physical activity recommendations.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. So Joe, I'm guessing you have been a lifelong exerciser. I'm guessing that you were into sport in, in, in your younger days, in your youth and, and have carried on, but, but just give us a feel for maybe, you know, where you started in sport and, and how that has kind of changed over, over the years.
2: Yeah, I have really fond memories of my childhood. Uh, I grew up in a small town, and like I can vividly remember my buddies coming to the house, riding their bikes to the house, their ball glove over the handlebars, and we were just looking for a ball game. And we'd drive around town, we'd look for a vacant field, and we would just play ball. And it didn't matter what kind of ball it was. It, it, it depended on what season it was, right? In the fall, we'd play football. In the winter we'd go to Bogany, but we'd always I mean we would play basketball outside, you know, mm-hmm. snowsuits on and everything, and we'd play basketball outside. And then obviously in the spring and summer we'd play baseball, but we were we were always playing ball. And then you know, you hear these stories from old guys like me now about getting called in for dinner, right? By your mom. <laughs> like I I can remember my mom yelling out the door because actually we lived right across the street from the ball field. Like my house a road and then the ball field Mm. and she'd hang out the door and tell me it's time to come home for dinner right and so i was i was usually the one because if i was going home for dinner most of the other kids knew it was dinner time for them as well and then we'd eat and then probably end up back playing ball again in the evening so um i had that experience growing up and um i had some good success as a young athlete um played college baseball and college football and kind of fell in love with movement and Then started studying it from a scientific perspective and Yeah, like I was just talking to a friend the other day, and I'm not sure If I've ever missed meeting the physical activity recommendations on a weekly basis across my entire lifetime yeah, You know, wow. I, I, I always find time for it. I think that's the other important thing as well Especially when we get to adulthood, right? Like we can find a lot of excuses and we can find a lot of barriers You know not enough time whatever but if it's important enough to you and you value it enough and you value your health enough you're going to find time for it and i'm sure we're going to talk about some of my daily and weekly routines but Mm. part of it is me getting up from this chair in 45 minutes and just even going for a 10 minute walk and as i work as i work throughout the day staring at a screen, which a lot of us do, you know, we only can have so much screen time before, you know, it, it it becomes self-defeating, right? We've all, we've all been in those moments where we're doing work and we're under a time crunch, but the wheels are spinning, but nothing's coming out of your fingers onto the keyboard. And sometimes you just have to walk away for 10 minutes Get some physical activity and we know with that, like there's enhancements to blood flow to the brain and cognition and executive function and all those mental processes as well. So it's helpful. So if I do do that, even three times a day, that's 30 minutes of moderate physical activity, right? And if I accumulate that across the week, I'm going to meet physical activity recommendations which show I should have a reduced risk for chronic disease, morbidity, and mortality. That's a good thing. Joe, do Joe, th- oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but do, do you think that um,
1: with the COVID, um, uh, um, the pandemic, do you think that people are struggling with that? Um, there's, there, I mean, I, I've certainly seen a real dichotomy with, with my clients. Some people who, who've just over-exercised because they had more time on their hands and there's those who just didn't exercise as much. They were spending more time at work because they were working from home. They'd come in, there was no commute they go straight to their desk and they're working an extra two hours, two and a half hours, three hours a day or they're sitting for longer. Um, did you struggle personally or did you see that with your some of your colleagues or um, how, did it, yeah. how did it pan out that, for you?
2: So, so I'm going to start with myself because I know that situation the best and it didn't affect me one bit yeah. because again, I value it, right? Um, so I made the time to get in my aerobic or endurance type activity, and also my resistance training. Like I didn't miss a beat. It was Mm. just, it's just what I do. It's part of my fabric, right? Part of my lifestyle. I mean, you made a good point about some people actually beginning to exercise during COVID because now they had the time because they didn't have a commute maybe or whatever it Mm. was. But other people certainly did struggle because now they had more childcare duties And some of those barriers got in the way as well, right? Mm. Um, But again, I don't think we can always use those as excuses. And it's kind of easy for me to sit and say because I have grown kids and I, you know, I don't have to worry about all that stuff. But the other piece is the childhood physical activity aspect as well. And so why not meet physical activity recommendations within the family, right? Like take your kids out in the backyard and run around with them and play tag with them.
1: Mm. yeah it's,
2: you, easy find, it's easy to find it it's easy to find excuses isn't it yes yeah Not be physically yeah. active yeah. that
0: that very true um one of the things that that well struck greg and i actually when we read your blog was um the fact that you had set goals for yourself at certain ages um and i wondered if you could just chat tell a little bit more about what, I mean, wh- when did you start doing that? And, and what was your thinking behind it?
2: So I have the blog open right now because I had to refresh my memory a little bit, <laughs> but, um, the, the section before that is start with the end in mind, right?
0: Mm.
2: And, and that's kind of, I, I use that personally and professionally. It's so like when I work professionally and I have a project due, like I like to start with the end product and I, I like to work backwards. So personally start with the end in mind and it's kind of morbid, isn't it? You start with your obituary, <laughs> yes. like, oh, what's that obituary going to read? And you know, how do you want to live your life to fulfill what's going to be said in your obituary? So and obviously for me, I value health a lot. Um, so I, I had just finished playing collegiate sport. The ball stopped bouncing for me. And, you know, now I had to fill voids of, number one, the competitiveness in me, um, and which hasn't gone away, by the way. And, you know, the other thing is, well, how am I going to meet some of my physical activity needs as well? And I just started thinking, well, I've set, I've set goals for myself in sport right i had a goal of you know playing professionally being an all-american and that's one of those motivators isn't it so i use that same strategy for my physical activity and health journey so i was in my early 20s and i'm like okay when i'm 30 this is what i want to be able to do i still want to have a 30 inch vertical jump um and if my wife is going to listen to this podcast because she says this all the time she's like why are you so obsessed with vertical jump? Who cares what your vertical jump is? <laughs>
0: but I guess that comes <laughs> it, from basketball, right?
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's it really it's a good expression of lower body power, right? Mm. So if I can maintain my lower body strength and lower body power, that's just a good output for it. So, and again, I still have some testosterone raging through my body in my early twenties, right? So I'm like, okay, I want to have a 30 inch vertical, and I'm 30. Uh, I always played speed sports, so. And I ran, you know, a four, four, six, eight, forty, And I'm like, I want to keep my 40-yard dash time in the fours when I'm 40. I mean, that's a stretch goal right there, right? But I'm like, I'm going to try it. Um, and then I'm like, okay, when I'm 50, and that was hard for me to fathom when I was 23, 24 years old, like, oh, when I'm 50, man, what do I want to be able to do when I'm 50? Um, I really didn't set goals for that. And then when I started teaching more, coming across all this literature on the benefits of you know physical activity and the literature that shows the relationship between aerobic fitness and these health markers i'm like maybe i want to have a vo2 max of 50 50 milliliters of oxygen per kg per minute which is not too bad for a 50 year old i mean it's definitely above average and then you know the other thing is okay that's the aerobic part but what about the strength part i want to be able to do 50 push-ups when I'm 50. So, the other thing that I do is, uh, and again, listeners are going to be like, this guy's really odd. (laughs) But because I have access to equipment, I test myself on my birthday. And I got this idea from another famous physiologist, D.B. Dill. He tested himself on his birthday all the time. And I'm like, that's kind of neat. I'm going to start doing that as well. So, basically, on my birthday or near my birthday, I, I go through a full health related physical fitness test battery, including a VO2 max test. So yeah, those, those were kind of my goals at 30, 40 and 50. And you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that I didn't quite reach them. Like I, I fell like just short every time, but I had a goal and it's probably a thing that motivated me you know, to meet those physical activity recommendations both for the aerobic part and the strength training. I still was doing some strength tr- some strength training and and playing some recreational sport along the way as well.
1: So, so I we- suppose, well, suppose what suppose what would be was the question would be, what would ha- would have happened to those numbers had you not been training? Yeah. Uh, or 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 striving for those goals. That would have been Yeah. We'll never know. But well, <laughs>
2: well, yeah, well, well, we, we kind of know, right? And again, in the, in the first part of the blog, I put this figure, right, that shows some kind of performance parameter. and It can be strength, it can be aerobic fitness or whatever. And we know that, you know, you kind of reach your peak somewhere between 20 and 30, and then it starts to go downhill. But, man, when you get my age, it really starts to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And so when I teach this to students, I talk about bending the curve, like we know that we we know that's going to happen right there aren't too many superhumans that can just not have that curve decline it's just part of natural aging biologically and physiologically but can we bend the curve right can we bend it up a little bit so that decline isn't that sharp so greg to your point what would have happened if i wasn't as physically active that cur- that curve would have been way sharper than what it is now mm.
1: It, it's. It, we've spoken about it too, with uh, with various with various people who, who, on various on on the podcast, and um, I mean we we are probably speaking to a lot of people who just who are athletes, any who are midlife athletes, and they come they've they're drawn to us because of the name on the on the podcast. So, but it, what I really love to be able to do is 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 talk about this to people who who aren't exercisers, who 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 are thinking about or thinking about exercise. That's where I want to try and push it out to, because as you say, we're we're all we're, we've all all our journeys have been you know been running around since the since we can run around, and we've just not stopped doing that, and we've enjoyed and we and we enjoyed doing it, uh, which is why we continue to do it. But what I love about the blog was that you just set yourself these targets, and particularly the fact you know you're in your twenties and you're. You've got that vision to thirty and forty and fifty, I mean, God, I wasn't thinking that far ahead <laughs> but but uh but now now i now i'm now i'm fifty four I'm thinking, God oh, damn, I should have set myself some targets, but we've still got some years ahead, so i'll uh have to, have to think about what i I might set myself
2: yeah i mean i've i've been I've been thinking about what I want to do for sixty seventy and eighty right, okay. As well, well, that like, was, what, that was what, my next
0: question. Like, yeah. You know, you've hit 50. What what, what, what have you set yourself going, going forward? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'd love to know.
2: Yeah. Well, again, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to look in the blog again because it's been a while <laughs> since I wrote it. But again, for me at 60, like the physical activity recommendation is 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity a day. Like I want to still be doing meeting physical activity recommendations when I'm 60, you know. Uh my wife's going to love me for saying this but I don't really care what my vertical jump is when I'm 60. <laughs> uh I I don't know if I can say that because I still am competitive.
1: Mm.
2: You know, like w- we do a lot of testing of athletes now and so we have students who come around and we train the students and you know, I got to show them how to do some of the me- measures and I- my competitive juices get going when we start practicing for the testing. But yeah, I mean, I just want to meet, keep meeting physical activity recommendations on a daily and weekly basis. So 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity on a daily basis and then, and then get my two days of good resistance training in. Um, and then when I'm, when I'm 70, like I wrote here, I want to energetically play with a 70 pound child, right? Like just, so when I'm 70, I want to be able to go to the schoolyard and there's some 70 pound child on the school grounds i still <laughs> want to be able to energetically play with them right like you have to be careful be, like how you
1: say that joe <laughs> yeah
2: like like i like I, I i may i may be i may be a grandparent <laughs> oh, yeah, or a... <laughs> i may be back coaching youth sport again yeah, when i'm yeah. 70 yeah and i just want to be able to energetically play with them and if i'm 80 and if i get there like i'm just going to keep it simple and i just want to be able to live independently so you you like I, I, I I'm I'm I, I just came from my annual exam examination at the physician and I was actually sitting in In the lobby and this struck me again like Joe take care of yourself, man Like you're looking around at some of these people, you know, and they're not there for their annual exam They're there, you know, probably for the third or fourth or fifth or sixth time in the last several months, right? And I'm I just thought to myself you got to take care of yourself when you get older, man.
1: I, I see that. Uh, I, I'm beginning to see that more in terms of all, how I reflect when just walking down the street and I see an old man walking down in, on, on uh, with crutches or or just being supported by his wife. And he's, and he's looking like he's in his 70s, 80s, um, but his wife looks much younger. And I'm thinking, are they that far apart or is it just that he looks that much older? Um, and I think I don't want, I don't want to be that. I don't, I don't want to be a burden, <laughs> uh, uh, but at the same time, I want to be active. I want, I, I don't want to be just moving from chair to, to, to table, and back to chair and then to bed. It's just, it's just, it does, it's not a life that, that I, um, that I would envisage for myself, uh, for any, really, or for anyone really. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a, a fantastic quote, um, uh it was from uh a friend of mine WhatsApped me the other day, and uh if you bear with me, it was uh from a the who was he? He was the Prime Minister in the 19th century, the Earl of Derby. Um those who do not find time for exercise will have to find time for illness. Um, and I, I mean, this this is the 18th century when treadmills were still used for punishment, um, and exercise was exercise was for the uh, for the wealthy because they didn't have to work, didn't have to have physical exercise. But but it, it holds true 200 years later.
2: Well, so. we can even go back even further, right, to ancient Greece, mm. and look at all of the principles that they set forward. And I mean, that's where the first gymnasia were as well, mm. and you know. Hippocrates and some of in Galen and some of those first physicians they they knew the benefits of movement right moving moving the body and again sometimes we get wrapped up in that word exercise too don't we yeah which has these connotations of putting on gym shorts and going for a run or going to the gym but there's inexpensive ways to do it you just need to build it in into your daily life i, I find i also find it I was talking to, you, to Jason about this at the weekend, is that with some
1: clients who don't really exercise that much um, or have, haven't really had an experience of it throughout their life, um, they, there's almost an aversion to the idea of doing weight training, actually picking up something heavy and, and, and doing it repeatedly. Mm. And, and so when they look at a dumbbell, which weighs 10 kilograms, and I'm asking them to pick it up. They look at me sort of strangely and think, and, they, and there's, a, there's a worry there. But if they went to pick up some shopping bags off the floor to, out of the supermarket or load it into the car, they wouldn't think twice. And the weight might be exactly the same, but their, <laughs> the context is completely different. And their brain says, no, this is wrong. This is not how you, I shouldn't be doing this. And that for me really is a, it's, it's quite a, a telling point. Uh, you see it in some you see it in the eyes of some clients and they think oh I don't oh I don't want to do this and others are like yeah where do I sign up um, and yeah just more I mean, observation I mean
2: that, that that plays out in people that meet physical activity recommendations as well mm. many more meet the aerobic portion but then when it comes to the resistance portion very few meet it Yeah. and this whole connotation about resistance training is really interesting uh you know it, it has a lot of stigma to it doesn't it yeah like i'm just going to say it meathead right that yeah. comes to mind right <laughs> yeah. a bunch of meat a bunch of meatheads so and and, and again meet, meeting the doing aerobic type activity can be fairly simple just going for a walk it's easy to do the skill level is fairly low but but now you ask people to do these movements squat lunge hinge push and pull with their upper body brace and rotate their core and then put an implement in their hand like a med ball a dumbbell a kettlebell a barbell whatever it is and they're not very confident in it because they probably never had done it before either right so i mean we deal with this with young athletes as well the first thing that we do is we teach technique and and and, and those techniques i was talking to you about those are all fundamental movements yes like all, like all human beings should be able to squat, lunge, hinge, push, pull, brace, and rotate. Like period. But now if, we, now if we add resistance, and your point, Greg, is so interesting, right? Like context. Well, if they don't bat an eye at lifting groceries, then why not just put groceries in your gym, right? Put a bag of groceries in your gym and modify the load in that grocery bag and say, okay, bend down, right, and pick it up. Well, now they're doing a deadlift right they're squatting mm. they're doing the squatting pattern and we're loading it and, and and it's and then as they gain confidence in it in that movement and they become proficient in that movement now we can say hey how about if we use a kettlebell instead now they might have the confidence to be like hey and they're seeing gains as well Yeah. they're seeing the benefits of it oh yeah, maybe i do want to use a kettlebell so yeah, but 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 the whole stigma around resistance training, I think, is something that really keeps people away from from doing it. That the stigma, and then I think also that proficiency barrier yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: Joe. So um, moving on to to your blog, when I was reading it, what I what I found uh, interesting and uh, I was quite pleased about was that you described some of your workout, your weekly workouts, as relatively chaotic. And, yeah. and 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 I, I quite like that because I, I think mine is slightly uh, i'm a, a similar vein and is that i tend to be a bit of an exercise butterfly i tend to find little things i quite like and i try that for a bit and then move on there there's still an under underlying sort of strength training process or aerobic process involved uh, but i like the fact that you're you have you you th- you're a bit chaotic yeah can you expand bit, on that a bit, a bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, number number one, that's gonna that's gonna drive my strength and conditioning colleagues crazy, right? Because they don't like they don't like chaos. They like systematic.
1: Hmm.
2: But again, my my training goals are way different than a college athlete or a professional athlete or whatever. Where maybe it does need to be more systematic. Um, it's chaotic, but it's also organized. If that make, and I'm gonna tell you yeah, how like, that makes sense. Okay. how it makes how it makes sense. I have a weekly checklist and I need, and I need to check all the boxes on my weekly check checklist. How I do it is chaotic, right? Like, like I know that again, going through all those movements that I, I went, I went through, right? Squat, lunge, hinge, my upper body pushes and pulls, bracing and rotating my core. Like I I have to do that, you know, twice a week. Those are my, that's my resistance training. I have to do it twice a week. Sometimes depending on the, on how much time I have, or even how I feel when I enter into the gym, I'll tick off some of those boxes, right? Like like yesterday, I went in and I did, uh, I did a rear foot elevated uh, squat. I did push-ups, pull-ups, and med ball rotation. So I ticked off some of those boxes. Uh, before I came in here for the podcast, I got in a 45-minute walk with a colleague and we had a walking meeting. So I know I need to, again, meet my daily 45 to 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity. So that's a tick box I always get. How I get it varies greatly, right? Sometimes it's at, it's just one really scheduled, rigid, structured kind of session. But a lot of the times I'm just piecing stuff together as the day goes on. I'm fortunate to work in an exercise environment, right? I mean... I can, I can leave my office right now and walk down the hallway and pick up a medicine ball. I can get on the treadmill. I can, I can lift in the, in the rack. Like I can get on the cycle. I can do whatever. So it, in some ways, it's not fair, right? Because a lot of people don't have access to the equipment that I have access to. But you know what? I take the time to do it. And even when I'm not here, I find ways to do it as well. So if I'm traveling on the road, you know, I find an open field and like i I like to get one sprint workout in a week like sprinting when you're 50 that's a relative concept (laughs) but i'm 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 trying to run fairly fast okay um and i usually try to get in one good plyometric session in a week as well but the one thing i'm learning is the recovery time so having to adjust my intensity a little bit and how much time it takes for me to do another more vigorous intense kind of workout um, and then the other thing I try to do is I try to do some sports skills to to work on my to work on my coordination as well. So that that and was sport, th- and those those sports skills vary. Like I I like to play basketball. It's it's therapeutic for me. Like in the evening, I'll go and I'll shoot hoops quite a bit. But I also have a hockey stick. I have a baseball bat. I have a tennis racket. I actually carry a tennis ball in my backpack, and I just find a I just find a wall. I don't know about about you guys, but in the United States. At least when I was growing up, we played a game called wall ball, where you just threw the ball up against the wall and you try to have your partner have somebody at your are playing miss it. I was an infielder in baseball, so it was a way for me to work on ground balls, and I still do it when I'm fifty. You know. So, Joe, I mean, you you, you touched on a lot of stuff there. What
0: what just just give the audience a a, a sort of insight into your your typical week. Um, and, and I I'm imagining that you don't have. The, your physical list and you actually tick it off, or maybe you do, but, but, but there's probably some principles that you're applying to your week. And it would be really good to kind of, if you could share, share some of those. So
2: the checklist is in my head. Yeah, Like I, like I always review, okay, have I gotten my two days of resistance training in? And again, I say, I say two days, but it's two days of getting at each of those fundamental movements so, I mean, I could, I could actually lift forward, go into the weight room four days, but I got to tick all the boxes at least, at least twice, right? Like I have to do the squatting pattern at least twice during the week. I have to do my upper body pushes and pulls at least twice during the week. I mean, there's some days I go in the weight room and I only do med ball throws and that's all I do for 10 minutes, right? And like you asked, uh, the question was, what's a typical week? I mean, I'm going to be honest, there is never a typical week. But there's um,
0: probably some principles that you're applying in the sense that I think, you know, you, you, you're probably doing some resistance works. You're probably doing some aerobic. Uh, you know, what's the sort of typical, uh, I guess, themes, if you like, that you might be uh, working
2: across? Yeah, So, so every day it's... 45 to 50 or 45 to 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity so do, wa- do, walk- do you use a
1: do you use a heart rate monitor for that do you do you measure that in terms of or just based on that, it's just just a perception of your own um yeah pers- um, yeah.
2: Effort levels? yeah yeah so again that could be walking it could be biking um it could be jogging you know uh I i bike to work um, so right there, I get an automatic 10 minutes. Sometimes I don't even, sometimes I don't even count it though. Right. Mm. And again, even though I say 45 to 60 minutes a day, I mean, some days I might get two to three hours depending on the day. Right. Um, but at minimum, I want to get 45 to 60 minutes of moderate vigorous physical activity. Um, and then the resi- yeah. And then it's the resistance training stuff that I spread across the week. And so sometimes it's like, it's, it's like really clean, like, okay, Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to go in for a full body lift. I'm going to be in there for 30 to 45 minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to squat, I'm going to hinge, I'm going to push and pull and I'm going to do some core work. And I'll do that on a Tuesday or a Thursday, but that's not every week. Sometimes it's like, okay, Monday, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my lower body Tuesday. I'm going to go in and do my upper body. And then Thursday and Friday, I'm going to go back in and, and do the same thing. But then again, every day is 45 to 60 minutes. And to me, to me, the biggest thing and the biggest principle is I move more and I sit less because the other thing that we know from the research has been coming out more because we have a lot of people who block stuff, right? So they, so they're sedentary from nine to five, they're sedentary for eight hours and then they get off of work and they go to the gym for an hour and then they go home and then they're sedentary the rest of the evening. Yeah. Like they, they have a lot of sedentary time and we know now from the research, there's actually a group and they, they coined instead of exercise physiology, they call themselves sedentary physiologists. Like they study sedentary behavior and we know that it wreaks havoc on the body. So again, I move more and I sit less. So, and and I do it for productivity reasons as well from like a work productivity. And we talked about this early on, didn't mm. So I rarely sit and do concentrated work for more than two hours. If I'm at the two-hour mark, I'll just get up and I'll go for even a five-minute walk down the hallway and I'll process what I'm doing, right? So there, right there, I banked another five minutes of moderate, to moderate activity, right? I don't sprint. I don't sprint down the hallway during these times. <laughs> Uh Jim, I, I, but I'll use I'll usually go for a walk around the building or outside. My my and my call, you know, having the colleagues that I have, it's easy too, right? They're like they're all in exercise science. So yeah. Like we rarely have a meeting where we sit around the table. We have a lot of walking meetings.
1: Joe, going back to the resistance training stuff. Um, so are you specific? Do you have a target in terms of how much weight? I mean, are you looking to try and increase the amount that you're doing, or you, is it a relatively sort of stasis point of view, uh, where you're just sort of, sort of almost treading water, as I suppose? But but you're getting your your resistance training in.
2: Yeah, and again, my strength and conditioning colleagues are going to hate me on this one too because the intensity that I use is chaotic, and I actually go by feel. Like, how do I feel that day? Like, I I. Tr- I tr- so I said two days a week. One of those days, I actually try to lift heavy. Like, I'll try to go eighty-five, eighty-five to ninety percent of my one repetition maximum, and I'll and I'll go heavy. But again, I'm learning at my age. Like my recovery is definitely not what it used to be, and like it seems to be getting worse and worse as well. I I I remember, I I coached baseball, and I remember one of my assistant coaches because I was you know. We're practicing, and once in a while, I'd hop in a drill and I'm diving for balls and I'm, you know, sprinting with the kids and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, he was older. He said, Joe, wait till you're 40. So I turned 40 and I'm like, what was he talking about? I feel great. And then all of a sudden, I turned probably 44, 45, and I'm like, oh, that's what he was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but now, after I've turned fifty, like I'm, you know, it's been a couple of years now, so I'm fifty-one. I'll be fifty-two in February. Like, it seems it's getting worse and worse. This this recovery from intense intense bouts.
1: Well, it's something so that we've, th- we've 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 discussed on 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 the uh, on the podcast. I've I've had it with some of the strength training I've been doing. Is I just need to I just really need to to spread it out more. I was doing I was doing an intense or CrossFit mm-hmm. thing for four sessions a week, and I couldn't do it. I had to stop. Yeah. I was doing it down to two twice a week, it took me twice as long to, 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 finish the course. But, but it was like, I needed to do, to do that. And once I did that, once I found that balance, it was much, much better. Uh, it was a bit of a wake up call. You know, I was fifty fifty four, 54 and I realized I wasn't 24. Um, finally hit me after 30 years, but I got there in the end, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it does, it, yeah but I still I still love doing it I still enjoy doing it I just that you you just have to be a bit more mindful.
2: Yeah.
0: You you also mentioned in the blog um the neuromotor and um I just just wondered if you could kind of expand on that a little bit Um what what what's your thinking around around that Joe.
2: So that idea is it's the ner- it's the nervous system and how it integrates into the muscle and it's really about coordination and balance. So the American College of Sports Medicine who they published guidelines for physical activity and then along with like in the United States the Centers for Disease Control but the ACSM for a long time had physical activity recommendations and early on it was largely aerobic, right? Like these are, these are the guidelines, and they were mainly aerobic. And then, you know, the resistance training literature came around, so they added resistance training. But the other thing we know is a lot of people have poor coordination and balance. So as we age, especially, if we don't have good balance or coordination, it ends up in falls, right, and fractures. So they put into their recommendations some neuromotor training, which is basically just working on some balance and some coordination. So for my balance and coordination, I'll, you know, I'll perform some lifts on some unstable surfaces or I'll do some plyometrics on single leg. So, I mean, it's very, what we would say in exercise physiology, proprioceptively rich, right? Like those, that, ner- that nervous system, that nervous tissue it's talking to that muscle and the muscle is talking to the nervous system, going back to the brain and we're trying to control our body through space and time. And those are great exercises, you know, and, and again, like think about daily activity. Like I'm looking out my window right now and I'm watching this guy walk across the parking lot and I'm afraid he's going to fall because he just had to walk off of the curb, right? Like that's balance and coordination. He could probably benefit from a little bit of neuromotor training, couldn't he?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm, integra- I'm integrating that in, you know, throughout the week as well, and I think, the, I think the sports skill piece comes into play there as well, right? Like, I think Europeans do this way better than Americans do, like staying involved in recreational sport as an adult. Like in the, like in the U.S., I, I mean, once high school or college sport is over, like a lot of Americans just call it quits. But it seems like a lot of European, I mean, obviously soccer, right? Like you see a lot of Europeans and others around the world, like continue to stay engaged in sport. And there's that sport skill acquisition. I mean, I'm sorry, walking on a treadmill or walking your dog around the block doesn't take a lot of skill. (laughs) You know, it just just doesn't. Mm. I mean, and then even when you get into some of the resistance training stuff, right? Like a a bench press or a, a lap pull down or whatever, yeah. Okay. Now we'll start talking about getting a hockey stick in your hands, right? And controlling a ball or a puck on the stick and shooting and that kind of stuff. Like way more neuromotor coordination stuff going on. So that's that that's that's a reason why I continue to do it and I mean Greg said this a lot like I just enjoy it. Mm. It's just it's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um there was uh there was a bit in your blog and it said um that you when you asked about because of your background um when you were, when you're at a social do someone'll ask you about or well, they know they hear what you do your phd and in in in, uh, in exercise etc um you you tell them i have i have principles of my exercise that you go on and on about this. It's a bit, it's a bit of a mouthful effectively. What you, what you, your answer is not very specific about, Oh, I cycle or I run. You will have a, I have a structure. I do this, 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 I do X, Y, and Z. That's what I do. Do you ever get a blank look on your, from people's when they, when they speak to you about this? Because the, you, the answer is not what you would expect from anyone. And yet it comes yeah. out as a bit of a, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bit strange.
2: Yeah. I- I mean, I get, I get the blank look. I think part of it is just because we have such a sedentary culture as well. Mm. Like pe- like people are like, you're that age and you do that. <laughs> yeah, like we all sh- we all should be doing something like this, mm. right? I mean... Uh, But again, I think it also comes down to this confidence thing as well. Like a lot of people just, they're not confident movers when they get older. Because again, they've abandoned it, right? Like they may have been sporty when they were younger. And then they just abandoned it once, you know, they had a family. And like I said before, all these barriers come into play. I mean, and we know from the literature with adults not participating in physical activity that there's multiple barriers Um, You know, family responsibility, time, all that stuff come into play. But again, if you value it, you're going to, you're going to find the time to do it. But I think the other notion is people think you have to have a gym membership. And that, like, that was one beauty of COVID. COVID taught us that we did not have to have a gym membership to be physically active. We were cut off from the gym and people found, people found ways, didn't they? Right? Like, again... You can go for a walk, a run, a bike, out in nature, whatever it is. You can do push-ups. You can do pull-ups. You can do body weight squats and lunges or pick yourself up a dumbbell set and have it in your basement or your garage or whatever. Like, we can find ways to do this.
0: How, how much – we, we we touched on this in a previous podcast way, way, way back, and it was – it was really sort of wondering how much the sort of society has a, an impact on it. So our perception, you know, we've all probably heard saying, oh, you're, you're too old to do this, you're too old to do that. And I, and I wonder how much of those, those societal perceptions actually prevent people from, from doing it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm speaking out of turn because – i'm not a psychologist or sociologist but i can just i mean i think we all generally agree that that's probably definitely an impact as well you know societal norms as well i mean again look around like there aren't a lot of old especially older adults right who engage in the regular physical activity or sometimes you find the pockets and that's why people do start to engage as well because they have peers or friends who are physically active and there might be like oh yeah, if Johnny can do it, I can do it as well. I mean actually a good example is one of my one of my colleagues. Like he's always been physically active. He's walked, he's played golf, but I got him into resistance training. I mean, he's never really done resistance training, and and I mean he's a physical activity and public health expert, and he knows what the recommendations are. And he met the aerobic portion all the time, but he never lifted. Part of the reason was he wasn't as confident in it. He didn't really know how or what to do. And so when I came along, I said, hey, why don't you join me? He said, sure. So we just started off with simple things, right? We just started off with bodyweight squat, lunge, push-ups, pull-ups. And now he's throwing the barbell around, right? So, again, I think, you know, Peers can have an influence. So going back to your question, Jason, about societal pressures and stuff, it can work both ways, can it?
1: it? Mm. Yeah. But, but I, think, I think we're going to see as, as the years roll by that we're going to see more and more older people exercising because we're going to be that generation. Um, um, and it's whether or not we can actually enthuse the people behind us who are uh, in age um, to continue that. Because, you know, Jason said it to me before we even set up the podcast, um, you know, this is the first generation of its kind in human history that is exercising this amount, that, that's, that's doing all these these incredible things, um, which, you know, 20 years ago, 30, 25 years ago, I think, I, I read about a guy who did a, a marathon every day, consecutive days in the 50 states of America. So we went from Hawaii to Alaska. He did, and I thought that wasn't. And then finished it on the New York Marathon in three and a half hours. I mean, that incredible. And then fast forward it, you got someone on Netflix who's doing, he who did an Ironman every day in in the fifty different states, fifty consecutive Ironmen. I mean, It's like, I mean, I, the fifty marathons was 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 big enough. But then, you, but we are seeing this 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 sort of. Wave of people just just pushing themselves harder and harder and showing that the body can if done correctly and relatively safely can is is actually an incredible can, can adapt as we get older as well it, we yes yeah. we are on that curve we are yeah we're trying to bend the curve it is it is a downward slope to a certain degree but how steep or how shallow that's, that curve is 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 within our within our control and that's something to strive for
2: absolutely again you gave the extreme examples you know what we really need to do is get them more of the mass Mm. right Mm. we need we need to reach those people who who aren't doing it like the three of us are sitting around and talking and obviously all of your listeners they're interested in this topic yeah but we we need to get some of those people who they're kind of on the fence they need to listen to the midlife podcast right midlife athlete podcast and then flip the switch and join and and, and join in like that, that. That's where we need. That's where we need to make a big dent. Mm. Like the the extreme examples of what some older humans are doing is really impressive. But let's let's get more into that camp that yeah. are just meeting the physical activity recommendations. And it do, and it doesn't have to be difficult, right? Like I, like I, again, my my schedule is it's chaotic and i just fit it in when i can but again at the end of the week i have all those all those check boxes that meet the recommendations both from an aerobic and from a resistance training standpoint and the in the neuromotor standpoint as well
1: I, i love i love the fact that you you're you're sort of dovetailing bits of your exercise just into your day just you know a five minute brisk walk here or there or 10 minutes here or 10 minutes there is actually, you know, what I what I try and see in my, in my clients when I'm getting to try and do some exercises, you know, b- to help them get overcome their injury, whatever it might be, the amount of times they say, Oh, I didn't have time. And you sort of oh, butt your tongue a bit and you go, Yes, well, you did. <laughs> it just it just, <laughs> it just slipped by you and you didn't fit it in. And you try then say, Okay, let's let's do the exercises. You time them, it takes them three minutes. It's like, come on, you can give me three minutes, you know once a day you can do that but again they just some don't some can't or say they can't um and it is quite frustrating but um yes it's uh, it is it is a um a challenge i think to to get people who, who don't exercise much and want and and you trying to instill in them that they, they should and can but they don't
2: and that's uh, uh who, yeah. who who whoever whoever cracks that nut breaks that code they deserve the nobel prize yeah. yeah you know i mean i have a lot i have a lot of colleagues who are in exercise psychology exercise behavior the physical activity in public health people i mean the evidence is clear right the guidelines are there but we have not moved the needle in a few decades you know, so it's the, you know, the motivational piece, the adherence piece, the whole psychology, if you will, right, of being physically active, whoever cracks that nut, they deserve the Nobel prize.
1: When we, when we first, um, uh, had you, well, we first read the blog and we, and we knew we, you were going to come on, uh, on the show, Joe, I was, uh, I was reading it and I, and I wrote down something, which I thought might be the potential title for the podcast which is have you performed your medicine yet um because you talk about medicine as as exercise and um and i thought that that probably fits in and it is, and it is making it uh, attractive to someone one taking a pill you can take a press-up or you can take a sit-up you can take a, a five-minute walk or whatever it might be it's um yeah as you say it's a hard nut to crack but it's something we're going to try and we'll probably talk about more <laughs> on a on forthcoming podcast. And then we might actually come around to actually coming up with a formula. You never know. You never know.
0: We'll try our best. Um Joe, we ask all of our guests the same final two questions. Um, and, and, and those are first question. If you could only do for the rest of your days, two sports, two forms of exercise, um, what,
2: what would they be? Basketball. You get a lot of bang for your buck out of basketball, right? Sprinting, jumping. It has that, you know, speed, anaerobic component, but it has the aerobic component to it as well. Yeah. A lot of coordination. Basketball is going to be one. Um, and the second one is going to, can it be, can I just say resistance training or can I, does it have to be a specific exercise?
1: I think you can get away with resistance
0: training. Yeah. All right.
2: Let you have I'm going to say, re, and I'm going to, and I'm going to say resistance training. Yeah, for sure. Resistance training. I mean, again, more and more research is coming out, right. With the benefits of of resistance training, and especially in the elderly,
0: yeah.
2: right? Osteoporosis, loss of muscle mass. Like I gotta, we gotta preserve that muscle mass. Like that's that's our engine, right? That's our engine. We have to preserve that. So yeah, yeah. I'll play basketball and and lift, and those are the two things I'll do. <laughs>
0: okay. Cool. And this is a sort of Groundhog Day one. If there was there a, a moment where you've been. Uh, exercising and it could be anything could be on the basketball court could have been when you were a kid could have been yesterday um and you have just sort of had that moment where you're like oh if i could just relive that moment over and over and over again it'd be brilliant what tell us tell us what that moment was
2: nothing is coming to my mind Nothing standing out, Um, except, you know, and again, I'm in my office right now, and one photo that I keep in my office is one of my last collegiate baseball games, and it's a photo of me with my teammates after a victory, and it was near the end of the season. It was actually the district championship game, and we were moving on to the next level, and Uh, It's one of those moments where you know, it's towards the end of the year. You're reaching your goals. We're having success and It's with a group of guys that I can I still consider my brothers I mean, I'm in very close contact with them, you know, this is cliche, right blood sweat and tears Mm -hmm. but those guys are my brothers because of blood sweat and tears and we taught each other a lot of lessons about life and um you know again kind of in a physical activity perspective and exercise perspective as well um so th- that that's one moment for sure that just locks in my head
0: that's a lovely that's a lovely moment actually to uh, to finish up on joe you've been an inspiration i hope really hope that listeners you know take stuff from you in terms of how you fit in stuff through the day your- Goals, the little targets you have for yourself, and I hope actually that I think there's probably incumbent on all of us to actually try and spread the word out there to other people who maybe aren't doing anything to say, hey, you can do it, you can have a go. And I think, I think you know, you're, you're a real inspiration for that. So thank you for for, for all your time and uh, yeah, it's been been wonderful chatting to you.
2: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on and uh, for having this podcast of uh, the Midlife Athlete. I think it's uh, a great endeavor. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Midlife Athlete Podcast is supported by Health and Fitness Solutions. Health and Fitness Solutions is a well-established and highly respected provider
2: of physiotherapy and podiatry services based in the City of London and Harley Street. We take pride in being able to offer a wealth of experience and expertise in dealing with a wide range of muscular skeletal conditions from acute sprained ankles through to the more complex and long-standing issues that have failed with treatment elsewhere, we are dedicated to getting you better. For a full list of the services we offer, visit our website Mm hfs-clinics.co.uk.